You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. shepherd or an under shepherd must have a heart of love for Jesus first and foremost. The primary thing in your life should be your love for Jesus Christ. Just like it's the primary thing in the sheep's life to love the shepherd. And Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the true shepherd. The sheep love the good shepherd, the true shepherd, and love him with all your heart. He was asking Peter, do you love me? Because having a heart for Jesus means you will have a heart for his sheep. Peter, in shame and fear, resorted to fishing when everything fell apart. But Jesus had bigger plans in store for Peter. He wanted him to be a shepherd of God's people, to love, care for, and protect them. But as Pastor Dave teaches today, this love for others has to flow out of first a love and passion for Jesus. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 21 as he continues his message, Fishermen to Shepherds. As we get to verse 16, he repeats the question. And again, it is answered by Peter. Jesus says to Peter, do you agape me, Peter? Do you agape me? He said to him again a second time, Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, tend my sheep. Once again, Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? Agapeo, do you agape me? Peter said, you know, Lord, that I phileo you. I love you as a brother. Jesus replies, tend my sheep. Tend my sheep. In verse 17, Jesus asked one more time, a third time. It's interesting that Peter denied him three times. And now he's re-asking him three times, do you love me? But this time, it changes. Verse 17 He, Jesus, said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. What's interesting here is when Jesus asked this the third time, he said, Peter, Do you phileo me? Do you love me with a brotherly love, a fond love? Do you love me that way? He came down to Peter's level. He met Peter right where he was. This grieved Peter's heart. It grieved it. You could almost hear it in Peter's voice. He says, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. What a great statement. Jesus did know Peter's heart. Jesus knows your heart. He knows what's in your heart today. He knows the pain the sadness from being isolated. He knows the fears and the anxieties you're feeling. You're asking questions like, will we ever get back to normal? Will I ever have a job again? Will I have rent to pay my family? How am I going to buy food? What's going to happen to me? And he's asking us the same question that he asked Peter. Do you love me more than those things? 
Do you love me more than your job? Do you love me more than the rent? Do you love me more than anything? Can I supply those things for you? Do you love me in that way? Jesus told him to love us, love him with all our heart. Can you do that where you are today? Can you say I love him with all my heart? How are you going to answer the question when Jesus says, do you love me? Because he's asking that question today, just like he asked Peter. Do you love me? It's interesting that some commentators believe that this is what grieved Peter, because Jesus challenged his sincerity. Peter's response was sincere. He had learned that he couldn't trust himself. He was not in a place where he could say that he loved the Lord unconditionally, and Jesus knew it, so he came to Peter's level. Brothers and sisters, the Lord wants to meet you today right where you are. He wants to meet you right where you are. He will meet you in the midst of your pain. He will meet you in the midst of your fears. He will meet you in the midst of your anxieties and even in the midst of your sin. He will meet you there. And he will meet you there when he will ask your question about your love for him. Why? Because he wants you to bring you back into that place where you're loving and trusting him completely. He knows that there are things that are getting in the way. He knows that there is fear and anxiety and fret. He knows all that is getting in the way because of this coronavirus thing. And he wants you to say, shed all that, get rid of all that, and come back into a deep relationship with me. Come back to me. Jesus was calling Peter into a deeper relationship, deeper than Peter had ever been before with his Lord. Only a complete love for Jesus could carry him and the other disciples through the times that awaited them, through the things that were going to happen to them in the future, and Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that they had to be abiding in him. They had to be abiding in him. It would be the love for Jesus that the Apostle Paul will say compels him, constrains him. That love of Jesus, that is a complete love of Jesus. You might not be there at this time, but Jesus will meet you right where you are, and he will bring you to that place. He will bring you to that place. He's calling you, he's calling all of us to come closer, come deeper. Jesus is calling you because he knows what's happening is disturbing to you. And he wants you to feel his presence. He wants you to be comforted. He, he wants you to have that perfect peace, that shalom, shalom, that only he can give. He replies to Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Jesus hadn't reprimanded Peter or the others for going fishing, has he? But he wanted them to understand and he wanted them to know that fishing was no longer going to be their main occupation. It was no longer going to be their main business for life. And what's interesting here, have you noticed the progression Jesus used in his answers? In verse 15, Jesus says, feed my lambs. In verse 16, he said, tend my sheep. And in verse 17, he said, feed my sheep. Each time Jesus answers Peter, he gives him a new sphere of service. 
He gives them a new avenue of service. He's taking Peter from being a fisherman and he's making him into a shepherd, which happens to be the name of today's message, from fisherman to shepherd. He's taking him from the job that he had of fisherman, and now he's giving him a new command to be fishers of men by being a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd guides the sheep. A shepherd tends to the sheep. The shepherd protects the sheep. The shepherd comforts the sheep. And the shepherd feeds the sheep. And this is what Jesus is now telling Peter that he's going to do. This is your new call, Peter. You might have been excellent at fishing, but you're even going to be better at being a shepherd and fishing for men. You're even going to be better than that. He said, feed my lambs. What are lambs? Little sheep. They're young ones. And what I took from this is, be careful with the young ones. You know how Jesus loved the children. You know how he loved the little ones to sit on his lap. Suffer that you would not let the little ones come to me. Anyone who does something to these little ones, they might as well tie a millstone around their neck and throw it into the ocean. Be careful with the little ones. Take my little lambs and nurture them. Raise them up. Now, he could be talking about very young children, a la children's ministry, or he could be talking about new believers, young lambs, young sheep, just come into the fold. Help them. Help them to grow. Help them mature. Is it interesting that Peter is going to say, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And that's what a shepherd tells his sheep. Grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tend my sheep. Well, here he's saying, watch over them. Watch over them. And I don't know. You know, Peter gets a bad rap at times. But he's a pretty smart guy. And he's going to be a lot smarter once the Holy Spirit, when he, once he becomes baptized with the Holy Spirit. We'll see that in a minute. But Peter's a pretty smart guy. When when he's told to watch over the sheep, did he remember Jesus' discourse on the good shepherd? The difference between a good shepherd and the hireling? How the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep? How the sheep hear his name and they know his name? Did, did, did Peter recall that? I think he did. Peter, feed the sheep, but take care of them as a shepherd would care for his flock. Guard them, guide them, protect them, feed them. What is the feed that Peter was going to give the sheep? Their main source of food is the Word of God. The Word of God is the main source of food. Why? Because Paul's going to write in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. We're to feast upon God's Word, line upon line, verse upon verse, enjoying the entire counsel of God. And sometimes, you know, we get to a scripture and we rip through it. We read through it like there's no style. Well, I've done my reading today. I read and I'm good. But man, spend some time chewing on it, meditating on it, devouring it. Let it have you and, and, and come inside of you and take care of you. So much in God's word. We haven't even scratched the surface. Notice another thing. And I think this is very important, especially for me as a pastor and others who are leaders in this church or any other church who may be a pastor. He says, my lambs. 
my sheep. Make no mistake about it. They're Jesus' sheep. You are his. I am his. And for some reason, unbeknownst to me, he has a great sense of humor by putting me in this place. But you belong to him. You do not belong to me. But he's telling me to care for you, to help you, to feed you. And that's why we have God's word in front of us. That's what he's telling us. They're Jesus' sheep. Because why? Because Jesus laid his life down for the sheep. And he's entrusting this care and the welfare of his sheep into Peter's hands and into any other person who comes in a pastoral role. And wow, you talk about an awesome responsibility, but also talk about a scary responsibility? Why is, is love so important to Jesus when he asked Peter these questions? Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Why is that so important? Well, I think it's so important because a true shepherd or an under-shepherd must have a heart of love for Jesus first and foremost. The primary thing in your life should be your love for Jesus Christ. Just like it's the primary thing in the sheep's life to love the shepherd. And Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the true shepherd. The sheep love the good shepherd, the true shepherd, and love him with all your heart. He was asking Peter, do you love me? Because having a heart for Jesus means you will have a heart for his sheep. If you don't have a heart for Jesus, you won't have a heart for the sheep. Likewise, those of you who are born again, having a heart for Jesus will make you have a heart for others. Make you want to share with others the love of Jesus Christ. Make you want to share with others what God has done in your life. What's interesting, again, to me, is that in 1 Peter, in chapter 5, Peter kind of wraps all this up. He kind of makes sense out of all this, and he and kind of interprets what, what Jesus is saying here. Listen to what he said in, in verses uh, 1 to 4. The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonor's gain, but eagerly, nor being as, as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Peter's taking Jesus' command to him, and he's interpreting it right there, and he's giving that charge to others. He's giving that charge to others, elders in the church, those who would shepherd God's people. Don't lord it over them. Don't do it out of compulsion. Don't do it out of gain, because there is no gain except the love of the Lord. Don't do that for money. Don't do that for prestige or whatever or honor. Don't become a superstar. There's only one superstar in this church and his name is Jesus Christ. Don't do it for any other reason because the love of Jesus Christ is placed in your heart. And what he's given me for Calvary Chapel Cape May is called a burden. It's a burden. I feel like the Apostle Paul when he said, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Woe to me if I don't preach Christ and Christ crucified. Woe to me if I don't preach the cross. 
That's the heart that Christ has given me. And that's what Peter is saying here. And that's what Jesus is saying to Peter. And it trickles down. Jesus told Peter, and then Peter comes and tells his elders, just like Paul wrote to Timothy and Paul wrote to Titus, telling him and those two about pointing elders in the church. You see this happening. But Jesus here is transforming Peter. He's taking him away from the fisherman attitude and the fisherman persona and making him a shepherd, a true shepherd of God. A shepherd is truly a fisher of men and much, much more. Notice Jesus had not disqualified Peter. Just because Peter failed, he was not disqualified. Jesus restored him and refreshed him with a new hope, with a new life, with a new joy. Peter was back in the game. Peter was back in the game, man. And what's even cool, as you go through the book and as you go from the Gospel of John, and if you go into the book of Acts, you see some amazing things by our man Peter. You see some absolutely exciting things by our man Peter. Here you have this shaky, impetuous, insecure Peter being transformed after he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. A few weeks later, this guy who crumbled under the pressure when his master was arrested and couldn't say even anything to a little girl doesn't preach one, doesn't preach two, but in the first couple chapters of the book of Acts, he preaches three sermons. Three. First day of Pentecost, he boldly declared to the crowd that Jesus is the Messiah. 3,000 people got saved. After God healed the lame man on Solomon's porch, Peter preached another, another sermon of repentance. 5,000 were saved. After Peter and John were arrested at the gate beautiful by the, by, the, by the chief priest, he defended his faith and he told the elders that by no other name could one be saved except through Jesus Christ. I love this. Denied the Lord three times, but then he makes three affirmations of Jesus' love and he gives three sermons defending that love. Coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so. Think about it, folks. Think about it. I don't know about you, but Peter's story, my story. Peter's story is my story, and it's yours as well. We all know that we need the risen Savior who is willing to welcome us back, even when we've disappointed him. A Savior who is always faithful, even when we're faithless. Get the picture of the faithful father standing on the porch waiting for the prodigal son to come back with his arms wide open having a worryment on his head. Where or where is my children? Why don't they come back to me? Jesus is always waiting for you to turn and he's always standing there with his arms wide open to welcome you back. You can never drift too far. Peter denied him. Denied him to his face. Denied him three times. But Jesus is always with us. And he is just a whisper away. There's a bit of Peter in all of us. We're all weak when we face temptation sometimes. And I don't know about you, but I feel like Peter. I don't know how many times I've dropped the ball. I don't know how many times I've allowed fear to paralyze me. Or how many times I've kept a spiritual scorecard to remind myself how many times I've struck out. 
Sometimes you think, well, God's grace can only go so far. Really? You don't know God. You don't know the grace of God. Be of good cheers, brothers and sisters. Jesus has not abandoned you. He has not abandoned you, and he continues to pour his love out upon you today and wants nothing more than to gather you under his wings like a chick gathering the hens to herself. And he wants to keep you safe. He's calling us today. What is he calling us to do? He's calling us to lay aside the weight, the weight of the world that has pulled us down and placed us in the bondage, the weight of this virus thing. You can't even turn on a TV channel without seeing something about this virus and all the nonsense that's going on. You're weighted down with fear and anxiety, and, and, and you're left in a world of uncertainty. He's called you to lay that aside. Lay it down. Lay it aside. He's also called you to lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares you. He wants to free you from the snare of the fowler, to free you from its grasp, its grip. Satan is trying to trip you up during this isolation time, during this time of social distance, during this time that you're alone. Satan's trying to trip you up. He's throwing things at you via the internet, via the TV, whatever. He's trying to get you back into the world. Don't buy it. Don't fall for the lie. Don't fall for the bait. Jesus wants us to run the race with endurance. He wants us to run like our lives depending upon it. He wants us to run the race with endurance and perseverance. He wants us to be steadfast and immovable. He doesn't want us to give up. This will end. It will be over. A time is coming soon when we will see an end to this. And I don't know what it's going to look like once it's over, but it will come to an end. And what are we to do? We're to look to Jesus during this time. We're to fix our eyes on him, steadfast and looking at him constantly. Like Jesus did to the cross. Like a flint, he looked to the cross when he was going to the cross. We need to have Jesus before us and look to him like a flint drawn to him, always having him before our eyes. He is the author and finisher of our faith. And we are the joy that was set before him. And then what he did is he endured the cross and he despised all shame. And he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And he's intercessing for you, for me, for the world. He's intercessing for us right now. Oh, brothers and sisters, no one thing. His love never stops coming towards you. His love is always available to you in your darkest hour, in the midst of your darkest fear, in the midst of your darkest time. Jesus is always there for you. Won't you please reach out and grab him? Better yet, just put your hand out and he'll grab your hand. Maybe you haven't answered the Lord's question today. Maybe he's asking you, child, lamb, friend, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Maybe that's what he's asking you today. You are the Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. 
Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at assurehoperadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's Word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope. Rescue.